I'm Andy Anatko. Welcome to episode 0001 of my brand new podcast, Almanac. And thank God you showed up because the launch of this whole new enterprise would be rather sad if you hadn't shown up. It would just be a lot of me muttering to myself in my office, which to be honest, I would have been doing anyway, but without the added burden of having to adjust my microphone levels and remember not to use naughty words. In this episode, I explain myself and explain what you are now hearing. I'm going to be talking about writing with my good friend Jason Snell of SixColors.com and The Incomparable. And then I'm going to close some browser tabs and windows. All this and intermittent chair squeaks that will be charming at first, but which will eventually drive you to throw your phone at somebody just to make another living organism feel pain on this episode of Almanac. Thank you, narrating introducer, who was actually just me a few minutes ago. Hi there. Wow, exciting. Another opening, another show. Uh, no congratulatory telegrams, but then again, I didn't actually tell anybody about this, so that's that's on me. Uh, and frankly, if I wanted one of those uh, novelty fruit baskets where the fruit has been cut into the shapes of flowers, I could have ordered one myself. Um and if I'd ordered it myself, I also would have probably ordered, said, you know, keep the cantaloupe, keep the, the grapes, uh, keep the orange slices, just give me a whole buttload of uh, strawberries dipped in chocolate, because we all know what we go for first when we get one of those baskets. Well, so this is Almanac. And, uh, you know, the worst possible thing to ask anybody to do is to ask them to, what is the concept? What is the point of any of this? And you're forced to say that there really is no point to any of this, uh, but there, there's kind of one here. I've been doing podcasts for a number of years, and I wanted to do one that was a little bit more structured than the ones that I've produced on my own. Um, and when we come down to, well, how do you tell people about what this is about? The only thing I could really come up with was the idea of this as an almanac. Almanacs are my favorite reference books. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this man has favorite reference books. Yes, I do, unfortunately. I uh, just <laughs> got a couple more uh, via eBay last week. Um, I just I have shelves and shelves of them. Uh, and almanacs are great because they're kind of the diametric opposite of, uh, of encyclopedias. Um, an encyclopedia has to cover absolutely everything, and it has to do it with a certain degree of accuracy. Whereas an almanac is – the good ones are famous for reflecting the, the highly suspicious definition of interesting topics and verifiable facts uh, as set by an idiosyncratic editor or a small board of same. Uh, and when you get three chapters into it and you decide – if you find yourself reading an article on what grain stems trends have been like in Yemen over the past three three years, or guesses, just rank guesses as to how much snowfall we're going to get, or colors of uh, of, of of grasshoppers and what they tend to portend, uh, to say nothing of uh, the great uh, book of lists sort of stuff where you find yourself not understanding that you were ever fascinated about 12 different kinds of ball bearings and how each of them changed the shape of the world. But 
I'll be damned. You're there thinking that I have never been more interested in ball bearings in my life. Thank you, highly idiosyncratic editors of, of, of the Book of Lists and the People's Almanac for coming up with this stuff and putting it in a book that was so close at hand when I needed to kill 23 minutes. So that's that's the sort of thing I want I want to get at. So you're going to get uh, in Almanac topics that I think are interesting. And maybe they're going to be a little bit weird. Maybe some of them are going to be tech-related because that's what I do for a living. But maybe this is my opportunity to talk about things that aren't technology-related since I get so many opportunities to blah, blah, blah about our plastic uh, microprocessor pals in other venues. Um, but obviously, I'm going to be defining the purpose of this show as we go along. We're going to sort of discover this together. Um, I'm, I'll say that I'm hoping to steal the format of Answer Me This and do it so steadily and sneakily that uh, eventually the hosts of that show will begin to doubt who actually had that podcast first, and then I can start to steal their audience and their advertisers. Uh, then I move on to Judge John Hodgman and The Bugle and the rest of my favorites that I see as very, very uh, high-value, well-produced, entertaining, and maybe profitable shows. Um, uh, if you are fans of the hosts of those podcasts, uh, if you have any affection for me whatsoever, just don't tell them uh, about these plans. I, I really want to – I mean, surprise, I think you'll understand, is kind of a major part of uh, this plan. It's not a good plan, but uh, it's fragile. Uh, but there is a chance of success that really is going to be completely shattered if they know that I'm uh, I'm sort of going to start, you know, educating uh, – uh, educating beefs between uh, two people who know each other or answering uh, research related questions in a, an avuncular way in some form of uh, London or British accents. Uh, so where I'm, I'm hoping to be that, that distant thunder that they don't really hear because it's on the edge of their hearing until the thunderstorm is right on top of them. And then suddenly I'm the one who's, you know, fielding ads from GM and audible and the rest of these people. Uh, but uh, what the, the the basic format is uh, the, the the central thing that uh, really got me keen on uh, on this new show is the idea of having great conversations about subjects that interest me, and that's going to be all over the map, like I said. And some of these conversations are going to be with friends of mine, and some are going to require me to seek out and introduce me myself to people that I'm keen to talk to. Uh, so you can look forward to, as uh, listeners, a certain amount of voyeurism uh, as you witness sort of uh, like a hundred first dates. And this might not sound interesting, but uh, clearly you're unaware that uh, I routinely will find myself standing behind my front door, coat, hat, keys in hand, laptop bag slung over my over my shoulder, waiting for the contractor who's packing up his van in front of the house next door to finish and move along so that I will not have to have a 30-second casual conversation with a total stranger. So I think you'll understand that the first time that I'm talking to people that I've never met before, you're in for a way, hey, hey, uh, of an afternoon. So, I mean, me just yak, yak, yakking like this, you know, without a script, without any sort of real plan, I mean, it's, it's, it's great stuff from my perspective in the sense that it requires so little preparation or any attempt at editing, uh, but I will grudgingly concede that perhaps my glee at delaying the day's writing by spending an hour or three in front of a microphone just sort of off-gassing about the troubles I've been having with, like, this new 
this new power strip that I bought. I got a couple of uh, a big box of like Amazon Basics power strips, and they're okay, but just stuff like that. It's like talking for three hours about that. It's a bit of an endurance challenge for you, the listener. Uh, so uh, if nothing else, it'll be fun for you folks, I promise, to witness me show after show steadily unraveling uh, when the novelty of uh, the recording process and the editing process and the producing process, all of which are on my shoulders, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is long behind me and it's no longer fun. And I find myself helplessly trapped inside the rock tumbler of fiddly detail-oriented work and I can't reach the off switch uh, and yet this is a hell of my own making. So you'll have all of that to look forward to. Um, before we move on, there's a, there's a couple of news items this week that are kind of interesting to, to talk about. We had uh, last week, uh, as I record this, uh, the nice bit of kismet where both Apple and Microsoft unveiled major new pieces of hardware like one day after each other, I was uh, I, I was attending. I actually was in pr in presence for the uh, Microsoft Windows 10 event where they announced uh, the highlight, which was uh, the Surface Studio device, this 28 inch <laughs> multi touch uh, desktop PC uh, with this really nice uh, like sp uh, spring loaded. Uh, dampened hinge so that you could have it look like a like an iMac like a regular desktop uh, machine with really great p3 uh, wide color gamut color and then you could just with a touch of a finger just sort of like fold it down so that it turns into like a drafting table and now you've got a pen that you can control it with and you can control it with your fingertips and it's just this surface literally the surface that you're controlling uh, and it really made a big hit with me particularly because as I speak to my immediate left, there's a work table that has, you're, you're, I'm not joking here, like a 28-inch drafting table. It's just this uh, like sort of desktop uh, drafting table you can just sort of put on top of whatever your desk is that I've used for a long, long time because it's just a nice surface to lay out and see here are my manuscript pages and I'm reading them and I'm sort of marking them up or here are some parts for something that I'm putting together. So I'm my, my brain and my workflow are really well wired up to appreciate the idea of uh, not just staring at a screen and type, 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 push the cursor to the right, but at some point being able to lay it flat and just sort of push photos around with my fingers or lay these virtual documents around. Uh, so I'm really keen about that. And that's kind of in opposition to what Apple announced the next day, which was which were the new MacBooks, uh, the new MacBook Pros. And maybe this is something that would be better served by a more in-depth conversation uh, in, in a future show. Uh, certainly, hopefully, after I get hold of the hardware directly and I can give you something more than first impressions. At this point, I've only had my hands on the new MacBooks for like about 20 minutes. But, oh my goodness, I just... It was one of those things that was very, very troubling and distracting for me because... I don't recognize the Apple that designed this MacBook Pro because to me it's not exciting. They've taken away steadily over the course of the past two or three iterations everything that made this a worthwhile $2,000 premium notebook. Um, they've put in this horrible keyboard that I just absolutely despise. I, uh, it's a slightly more evolved version of the super flat butterfly key, uh, like almost zero travel keyboard they put into the 2015 MacBook nothing. And then they repurposed it for the uh, magic keyboard they released later that year. And I've 
I uh, I had the MacBook Nothing for about a month, almost two months, uh, when I was reviewing it. Used it every day for a month, and at the end of it, I just never got used to it. I just never liked it. It just feels like I just I just remember you know the, the these remember the Timex Sinclair computer where uh, from the eighties and the early nineties where it cost like ninety nine dollars. Um, it was probably more famous as you get a postcard in the mail from some sort of timeshare. <laughs> sales scam saying you have guaranteed to have won either $20,000 or a brand new Cadillac or a desktop computer. And then of course you go in for the timeshare meeting to pick up your prize. And of course it's this crappy, crappy, tiny little Timex Sinclair computer with this membrane keyboard that your fingers will grudgingly say that, okay, well, I know that we had a $20 bet that You'd be introducing me to an actual keyboard, I suppose, technically, in that I feel that there are raised keys under my the pads of these fingers, and that when I press them, I feel some form of resistance that eventually, through a complex chain of events, leads to a character that relating to that key appearing on the screen. I guess that means I owe you $20, but I, I have to be honest here that I'm not happy about this. This is not within the spirit of the wager. I was expecting an actual keyboard. And when this is on a $2,000 computer and not just something you got tricked into picking up uh, after being locked into a room at a Holiday Inn and sold a sketchy vacation condo uh, in central Swampland, Missouri, this is not what I expect from Apple. So I'm really navigating my expectations here. Um, Apple, of course, they're perfectly welcome to build whatever they want, but I like to be able to understand the logic of what they're making. And now I absolutely don't understand what it means to be a MacBook Pro. I don't understand, like, when they write this on the right on the whiteboard of the the goals they need to attain in order to ship this MacBook Pro I don't I don't recognize the list that they must have put on that whiteboard it really is like the MacBook Air Plus which is fine it's a, if you want an ultra light machine where uh you are giving up a lot deliberately because you want something that's super thin and super light it's great if you're looking for a pro, something a pro, something that is, hey, I just won the lottery and I'm going to spend as much money as I can possibly spend on the best Macintosh portable device ever, that's the best? I don't know. So it's it's disorienting. I'll, I'll admit it. And I'm not just trying to be funny there. It's, it really, I'm sort of a little bit adrift because I just can't use a MacBook with that keyboard. I absolutely can't. And... Um, fortunately I bought a new MacBook last year, so it's probably going to be late 2017, early 2018 before I'll need to buy a new notebook. And if Apple stays on this course, I just don't see myself buying another Mac notebook ever again, which is fine because I'm intrigued by a lot of these windows devices. I think that the They've integrated multi-touch extremely well. I, I think that Apple totally missed the boat boat here. Um, I might have agreed with them early on when they said that. Well, they don't. We we believe that we don't that consumers don't want a, a desktop machine that has a, a touch screen, even if it's a laptop, because hey, your hands are on the keyboard. They don't, you're not going to want to keep taking your hands off the keyboard to touch the screen. 
that certainly makes rational sense. But then Microsoft, those those brilliant idiots, they said, we didn't read the same study that you read. Uh, we're going to go ahead and make them, and we're going to rejigger our entire operating system so that it is just as friendly and at home behind a touch panel as it is uh, with a trackpad or a mouse. And I'll be damned, it works great. Uh, whether you're, uh, I'm, I'm using a 10-inch Windows 10 notebook or that 28-inch uh, Surface Studio, it's brilliant. I love it. And because I and uh, my my favorite uh, mobile computer that I use uh, most of my I do most of my work on when I'm outside the office is the iPad Pro, and so yes I am occasionally taking my hands off the keyboard to touch tap a control or scroll something, although it's not nearly as frequent as uh, one might imagine I'd have to do that, and because I spend so much time with the touch device, namely my phone, it's kind of natural. It's it seems very very acceptable. As a matter of fact, there are uh, thumbprints on my uh, 2015 MacBook Pro from places where after uh, three hours of using my phone or using my iPad, I kind of expected to be able to scroll something by simply just resting my thumb on a corner of the screen and just flicking it up every now and then. Um, so I just don't know. It's possible that Apple has missed the boat, that now they are in a position where they should have made that transition to multi-touch Mac OS years ago, but now they're two or three years behind the eight ball and they have to get on their horse and, and jump. Maybe the, the, uh, uh, the uh, new uh, OLED, like mini iOS touch bar that's on the uh, premium editions of the MacBook Pros, maybe that's their sort of compromise thing where we can't certainly rewrite Mac OS from start from top to bottom to support multi-touch, but we can give you a touch area so that maybe it will seem more relevant than it might have otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's, again, I, I don't recognize this. It's like, eh. I mean, all, all great, so not all Relationships need to end, but some of them do, and some of them end uh, gracefully and amicably and with great love and respect for both party uh, exchange between both parties. And it's, it's I'm just going to have to spend the next year or two getting my head, wrapped, my head wrapped around the idea that maybe I am going to transition from Mac to Windows. God, I hope not. I can't picture it. I just can't. I, 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 if you're a Windows user, I love you. I respect you. You don't have to defend your choice, but I just don't see myself doing it. It's like, it's like picturing myself getting like a uh, getting like a Simpsons tattoo all over my back. It's just not what I picture myself ever doing. It's not when when I, when when I if if I give you the jigsaw puzzle that is Andy and Otko, and you're missing. 40% of the pieces, and you have to imagine what the rest of the picture looks like. I don't think that you would imagine that full back tattoo of uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Episode 8 is part of that missing piece. I think that you would imagine something else. I don't know what it would be. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's not the picture that I think that you would you would complete. And Andy and Otko at an event or at a library Behind a Windows laptop, that's not what I see myself doing. I'm sort of uh, consoling myself with the thought that maybe in two years' time, the my transition to uh, having a desktop computer and having a tablet as my field device will absolutely gel and set into concrete like old Jello, and... 
Um, I will indeed buy a new Macintosh in two years' time, but it will be a tricked-out uh, Mac Mini because, hey, I'm, I'm recording this on my MacBook Pro, and it is actually on the desktop, and it's got all kinds of hard drives and stuff plugged into it because, again, I every time I leave the house with a computer, that computer is the iPad Pro. I've written 10,000 words in a single day on my iPad Pro. I've done all kinds of photo editing all kinds of movie editing on the iPad Pro. So maybe this is just a way of Apple's way of trying to <laughs> sending <laughs> I don't know. It's a, maybe maybe it it knows that I would never leave. <laughs> I would never break up. And so it has to sort of terminate it. It has to sort of show me the door so that I understand that we're headed on different I have no idea. I've, see that we go back to the idea of when you get me just blah blah blahing in front of a microphone. Maybe it's lightning in a bottle. Maybe it's a bottle that you find by the side of the highway near a truck stop. And it's not filled with Gatorade. I don't want to fill in the rest of the blanks for you, but that's that's what I'm talking about. So it's a it's a time of it's a it's an inflection point I think for the entire industry uh, in 2016. Um uh I think today or tomorrow I'll be receiving uh, my loaner hardware for uh, the uh, the uh, yoga uh, trans uh, transport. Excuse me, uh, the yoga pad that is that's the that's the one where it's a small. I think it's like a nine or ten inch screen, uh, obviously like a, a high definition d display, and it folds like a notebook and it also folds. Uh, a full uh, like 290 360 degrees so you can use it like a tablet but the keyboard section of it is a flat sheet of glass and so you, if i'm gonna geez if i'm gonna be complaining about low key travel on the new macbooks what should my reaction be to a flat pane of glass that simply lights up little little rounded rectangles indicating where the keys are i don't know uh, so, and and uh, this one runs Android, and uh, Google's been doing a really good job of making Android into a hybrid operating system that works great on phones. If you put it into a tablet form factor, nothing has to change, but magically, everything that works great as a touch interface now works great as a mouse or, or a trackpad interface. Uh, so we're going to have to play with that and see what that's like. I guess the important part is to... Always be revisiting the reasons why you've made the decisions that you've made and never let nostalgia command your actions. Nostalgia is a fine place to not even visit, to, to drive past. You know, you want to drive past your uh, the, 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 the playground where you used to spend a lot of your summers as a kid. Drive past it. Don't stop drive past and say, goodness, what a great time I had there as a kid. But don't stop and don't linger. You don't belong there. That's not your place anymore. It's now for other people. Or now it's just a weed-infested uh, place for people to sleep off uh, the, the Halloween party or whatever. Uh, I would hate to think that I was sticking with Mac OS because it's been my uh, – it's been something I identified myself with my 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 personal identity i'm not talking about the identity that i project to other people i'm talking about my own idea of who i am seeing myself well i'm a mac user i'm an apple guy um, you know i i i made that tr transition from uh, the iphone to android and it actually took a i don't know maybe i delayed a couple of months because it was hard for me to figure to see myself with that big back tattoo 
<laughs> as an Android user and not an iPhone user, given that I was I was using an iPhone since day one. Uh, now imagine me. I've been using. I've been uh, uh, since junior high. I've been going to Mac World Expos in in Boston, and even well before I could even afford a Mac, I was buying programming guides and writing code that I imagined would someday run on the Mac that I would own someday. Uh, it really is like you know, it's like that, it's like that rusted old car that was the uh, the wagon for all of your dreams when you were a kid. It was your freedom. It was. Uh, a selection that you made that you thought reflected not only who you were, but all the decisions that you thought were right in life. The A picture of the world as you hoped it would be. Uh, the magnet that you hoped would attract to you people that agreed with you about this vision of what the world is and what it could be like. Sometimes, though, you, for the nth time, you go into the garage and all you see is a rusted out Hulk that needs to be pushed as as you you're the you're the engine is of transportation for this thing as much as uh, the engine is a piece of transportation for you and you have to realize that you're holding on to something just because it's hard to let it go there are a lot of applications for this theology throughout life so it'll be hard to stop using max if it should come to that but I won't regret the time that I've spent using Macs. I won't think that Apple is run by a bunch of jerks. I just think that their idea of the ideal consumer of an Apple product just no longer matches uh, someone like me. But it's a big world, and I can drive past that playground and look at uh, the 2018 MacBook and say, goodness, I remember how much I liked the, the build quality and the fit and the, the minimalist style of, uh, of, of Macs and their durability – as I drive past it, uh, towards my uh, with towards my uh, my my new life uh, with my wonderful wonderful new seventeen inch iPad. Well, maybe not that. Who can see into the future? Two years, like like we'll all be alive in two years. Come on. Well, that certainly took a turn, didn't it? Well, but that's that's the sort of stuff that I'm sorry that you're going to have to get used to. Coming up next, though. Let's talk to Jason Snell about writing. Okay, well, at the top of the show, which I recorded a few days ago last week, I, of course, promised that I'd be talking about uh, uh, writing with my good friend Jason Snell. As I speak, it's 2.30 in the morning uh, on the morning after Election Day, and uh, I was working all night. I wasn't – I was kind of intentionally – not looking at any of the coverage, any of the live coverage. <laughs> I had Twitter turned off. Um, I had found a project, a writing project, that I could just work on and focus on, uh, mostly because it was super late, but also partly because I really wasn't interested in uh, everybody on both sides telling us what this all means. Of course, I was anticipating uh, a Trump non-victory, this wouldn't have made me happy. I thought that that was just the rational thing to uh, to expect. Um, obviously, you're going to be hearing a lot of half-formed thoughts here. Uh, but there, there's a certain dreariness, no matter who wins the election, to all the commentary where it's uh, not just a numerical result 
according to a professional and amateur and man on the street, person on the street sort of commentators, it's an endorsement or a uh, uh, or a revulsion against a way of life or a type of thinking. And I really, really was not uh, interested in hearing people say about how, you see, my personal beliefs have been validated and endorsed. This country is my country, and it's not those other people's country. And good gracious, wasn't it sad that we had to have this election to prove it? But it's been proven! I am on the side of the right-thinking people. And uh, that's just not going to make me happy. Uh, so instead, I have a few thousand words of something written that wasn't written before. I have... Uh, made some progress on a building project. I created something. I also re recorded on video my creating that thing or you know doing something, and it's it's nice to be in that sort of meditative zone, and that's when lots of very positive chemicals sort of rush through your brain and slosh around. It is the it is the the antifreeze. It is the coolant. It is the oil that uh, keeps all the gears of your psyche uh, enmeshed and well-lubricated and well-functioning. So you can imagine uh, <laughs> around 45 minutes ago or whenever when I thought, oh, well, I better uh, – I was all I had to do was, okay, I think I only have about 20 minutes of stuff just to wrap up this episode so I can uh, put it in the CMS and uh, we'll, we'll have it posted – and so, oh, uh, gee, I, I, I know that uh, uh, I know that uh, 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 Trump won. I <laughs> can't believe how easily that phrase came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't. I, I'm, I'm sure that Clinton won, but let's find out by how much. Uh, or let's, I wonder if they've called the election yet. And imagine my surprise to find that uh, the second most stunning. New York Times headline I've ever seen. You can guess what the number one was. It ha I saw it about 15 years ago. Uh, it's now a little bit later, and I'm seeing that the uh, projected uh, electoral results are 218 for Clinton, 266 for Trump. The headline is, Trump is on the verge of a stunning upset, in all caps, and in and italics, win in Pennsylvania all but assures victory. And I will say... <laughs> I uh, there is nobody else in the office, so it's not as though I was doing this for, and I wasn't live streaming anything. It's not as though this was done for comedic effect. But yes, I <laughs> I find myself just going, what? And then look to staring at it while this cold neurology sort of crept up the up my spine and landed the base of my head, and um, I was. I did that really like uh, seven-year-old child, five-year-old child thing of this is too ridiculous. I bet that I've accidentally typed in. I typed in nytimes.com. I bet I mistyped it. And some joker who uh, anticipates people typing in the wrong URL, I've been, I've been sent to a parody website. Or maybe, oh, uh, oh maybe it's uh, nyt.com or newyorktimes.com. It's not shorthand. No, it was absolutely the truth. That's So that's... That's how uh, that's the mindset that I that I've been I was left in immediately. Number one, <laughs> the chemical brain reaction where the hackles up your spine of I believe that predatory eyes are lurking are looking at me from those bushes. That was not the wind. That was a <laughs> that was a meat eating animal with fangs and claws. 
that has decided that it can probably get a better lunge at me from this new position. That's that the sort of you know genetic th- programming that helps you to not get killed and gives you the sensation that you are in immediate danger. And then the childish, nope, nope, that's, this is not this is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. I'm going to wake up. This is not happening. Not happening. Not happening. Uh, and I've still got the window uh, open here, so I expect that maybe sometime in the next ten or fifteen minutes, as I'm recording this, I will see. Uh, no concession from Clinton. Markets are in turmoil. Well, let's not talk about that. So uh, you're going to hear a lot of uh, immediate thoughts and a lot of half-formed thoughts, uh, and I uh, hope you'll forgive me for that. Uh, this is, again, episode one of a brand new podcast, and I was hoping to set the tone uh, with the very first one. And one of them was going to be, like I said at the very beginning, not a whole lot of I'm just going to sit and go blah, 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 and then an hour later, after I've had my fun, I will shrink wrap and ship it, and then you'll have to deal with it unedited. Um, I was going to take a little bit of pleasure in scripting things out a little bit better, editing things down a little bit better. Um, But there is another um, aspect that uh, I've – that makes this very very symbolic of what I want this show to be. And this is – this show is about what I think and how I'm feeling. And if I'm choosing a topic, it's not because uh, some PR person's put something in my inbox and said, hey, we can make this person available to you. And I was stuck for an idea for a show for the second week of February. Uh, It's because every one idea is something that I was really, really interested in. And hopefully, of course, even of a conversation with somebody else, it would come down to – I want to, I'm interested in this topic. I want to learn more. And I also want to learn what this other uh, personality, what this other brain, ears, eyes, uh, and throat thinks about it. And in doing so, learn a little bit more about the, the world around me. And uh, I think I would be dishonest if knowing that this show is due to be released on the day after Election Day uh, to be thinking all these things and having this open uh, garage band document and not talk honestly. So I'm going to talk about a few things. Um, obviously, yeah, I'm shocked, uh, disappointed. Um, I'm hoping that uh, he will not have been elected. Uh, I'm pushing the button on my signal watch to cue Superman to fly around the earth over and over and over again, super fast and, you know, make the day, well, no, it'll just, I'll just have to relive Tuesday knowing full well what's, ha- what's going to happen on Wednesday morning. So maybe I don't want to do that. And we're going to need Superman for other natural disasters. I shouldn't be talking that way. That's fatalistic. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wanted Trump to not just lose. And I was like everybody else. I was pretty confident he was going to lose. Uh, all, every smart person that was talking about, uh, polls and how the how election results go, whereas maybe they're looking at uh, the popular vote sort of narrowing, but saying that well, here's the electoral math, and we can't figure out we can't see an electoral solution that gives Donald Trump 270 uh, electoral votes. So I really was looking at the results not as who's going to be elected president, and I I did I did have some quips and bonbons sort of lined up. Thank goodness I didn't. <laughs> Load them into automatically post via Twitter. Uh, one, one, one of the little jokes was going to be, wow, so I've lived long enough to see a, a African-American president and a female president. I wonder if I'll ever live long enough to see a, see a, a, a male British queen on the throne. 
I still don't think that's necessarily possible. That's because, good heavens, that's <laughs> Elizabeth. I, I, I've she was queen for what thirty years before twenty years uh, twenty years or so before I was born, and she's in her nineties and still ticking along. So maybe she will <laughs> outqueen me. It's very very possible. Uh, so that's a perfectly good joke. Absolutely wasted, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, so I thought that this was going to be more a referendum of. Uh, we could send a, that the country could send a message of assurance to the rest of the world and just sort of a, a, a periscope on our own thinking to see how badly he would lose. I wanted him to be to just be absolutely slapped down. I wanted to see that map with maybe two or three red states in it. I wanted to see a popular vote that said that, yeah, well, you know, you, he, he won, he got 80 or 90 or a hundred electoral votes, but Oh my God, look at the popular vote. He was like, no, everybody was saying, no, no, no. We're Democrats. We're Republicans. We're independents. But as human beings, we do not want this person to be elected. And it's, um, it was so difficult to be talking about, this sort of thing in public because it's so easy for politics to be misinterpreted as a personal attack. Um, my revulsion at Donald Trump had nothing to do with him running as a Republican candidate. It had nothing to do with um, what are traditionally thought of as conservative policies. I just think that he demonstrated himself to be just an awful, awful person just not totally unsuited to be president. And of course, I, uh, as uh, I said a few times in public, I don't think that Hillary was the greatest candidate either, but he, she was eminently qualified. I, and, I, but I, and I think she has the sort of brain and the sort of skill set and the sort of seriousness necessary to hold that office. And uh, a joke that I was making to myself that seems not quite so funny anymore is that what bothers me the most about the idea of Donald Trump as president is that I could see uh, – I think that he would be handling the job as well as I could. And oh my god, would I be terrible because I – every time that I have been in a place where I let my mouth get ahead of my brain – and rather than standing back for a second because this is a situation I don't understand, I'm being asked a question that's outside my skill set, and I thought, oh, I think I, I think I can answer this and sound intelligent. I'm just the the shovel is in my hand. <laughs> I'm digging myself in that hole deeper and deeper and deeper, and I'm halfway in. It's far, far too way to, to to start climbing out right now. I have to go with it rather than say, you know what? I actually don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's figure this thing out. That's and then saying, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't say that that uh, that New Jersey City is the capital of New Jersey. I never said that. Ten minutes after having gotten off the stage, where I've been in front of a thousand people, I said that. Welcome to New Jersey City, the <laughs> the capital of New Jersey. See, that's the sort of trouble I would get myself in. This is the nightmare that I might have had two or three times a year, that I'm president of the United States with the knowledge and the skill set that I have right now, and people are just looking up to me and asking me questions that I am not prepared to answer in any way, shape, or form. But, oh my God, I'm wearing a suit, so I have to say that. I have to talk. So... It's difficult to manage all of this. It's difficult to 
to figure it all out. Right now, the says 218 for Clinton, 276 for Trump. There it is. Um, I guess my major worry all along through this election cycle was that if Trump gets elected, doesn't that make the United States of America a lesser nation? You know, we, we don't have funny candidates. We don't have... I'm a big fan of the Bugle podcast, as, you, as you've heard uh, several times. And part of the... There's nothing funnier than when uh, Andy and John were talking about, you know, Brosconi. Or, you know... Or Osnay! Osnay! These very, very weird leaders of lesser nations where places where the the, the chief executive office is not really powerful at all. So it's possible for just a colorful, colorful person to be elected on the basis of people saying, hey, wouldn't it be funny if that guy who always wears a kayaking helmet and never takes it off ever – what if we elected him or her her president? That'd be funny. Okay, great. Let's elect. Oh, hey, look now, now he's getting, oh, the picture on the money is is a woman in a kayaking helmet. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Where it's okay for it's in the course of my lifetime, it's been okay for um, various parties to put up candidates that seem to not represent what I want in the White House uh, or directions for the country that I think are odd, but. Uh, never has there been a candidate that seemed to have no resume for it. I was certainly not a fan of Mitt Romney, but you could say that, okay, he does have a viable, uh, he, he was governor of Massachusetts, so he has he has uh, uh, a political executive experience. Uh, as he also ran on the "Hey, look, I've been a successful businessman," and you could also say, okay, he has he is actually he has actually had some success in business, and there was little or no evidence the, to come to light that uh, he was sexist or racist or a bore or anything like that. Uh, and if he had been elected, I would have been disappointed, certainly, uh, particularly given who who he was uh, running against, but. Again, we could say that, okay, we have selected somebody who was a former governor and, uh, you know, that's not my pick, but okay. that we, 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 we didn't hire somebody who was the owner's ex-wife's cousin <laughs> who smokes a lot of weed and he just needs a play. He just needs a permanent address uh, for his parole officer. So, hey, we'll make him manager of, uh, manager of the finest department. No, 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 no. But that's that's such a silly thing for me to think about and worry about. It's um, it's abstract, and uh, of course we're dealing with uh, very real issues. Two eighteen to two seventy nine right now. I uh, of course going back to anticipating a Trump loss. Um, I've of course I've got all these shows planned out for the future, and uh, for next week I'd planned out uh, sort of like an audio essay on what I've learned from Donald Trump intended to be written and spoken in the shadow of this immense failure where we can say, oh, my God, can we believe that – I can't believe that 30, 30 years from now we're going to be telling our grandchildren that we, 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 that we, we had an actual candidate and Donald Trump, you know, that funny, funny, wacky – oh, God. <laughs> and so it would be funny that, oh, my God, Andy, you learned something for – Andy? Uh, Donald Trump taught you things? Um, but it was, it was actually going to be quite serious. 
in looking at how he comported himself throughout the election, the, the before the nomination, after the nomination, all the way up until two days before uh, uh, election day, to ways that he had comported himself before he became a political figure and he was merely a public figure, everything that's come out about him, I think that there were so many lessons to be learned. Uh, uh, I'm again, I'm, I'm quick to say that. Uh, as a political candidate, I'm I'm no better than he is. I have failings. I have faults. I'm not suitable. So I'm not saying that when I say that he's unsuitable, I'm not saying that he, you know, shouldn't be – he should be left inside a box somewhere with sufficient air and nutrition but not really let out. I'm not saying that. Um, but there were some things that uh, – sort of cautionary tales. I kind of felt like uh, Scrooge looking at Marley's ghost – and and the having that experience of thinking, oh my goodness, that I'm looking at visions that could be me. I see myself falling into the same traps that he's falling into. Um, one of them was uh, to stay away from superlatives, particularly when you're talking about your own experience, your own knowledge. You know, hey, nobody knows more about this than me. I know more about this than blah blah. You can. It's perfectly okay to say that my knowledge of this subject is quite competent. And then back it up with, well, here's why I'm saying that I, I, I'm pretty competent. Here's why I think that I, my opinions on uh, on the Mac OS are valid opinions and at least at a valid part of the conversations. But I would never say I know more about the Macintosh than anybody else because, oh, my goodness, that means that you are the one person in the entire world that knows more than anybody else. Really? We can't find anybody else who knows more than you? It is clearly uh, a declaration that is not meant to ever be challenged. And here are you saying this this highest form of praise about yourself. Second, uh, you know, admit when you don't know something. It's such a hard thing to do. It is embarrassing. You feel like a goofball, but that is uh, that is uh, getting a tiny paper cut. Pretending you know more than you actually know. That's taking a double gainer, triple Lindy off of the tallest cliff uh, in the Grand Canyon. It's it's it, you, you'll do way more damage to yourself that way. The great thing, however, that when you admit you don't know something, the next logical thing to do is to ask people who know more than you do. And when you do that, you are going to be spending time listening. And that's when your brain is in capture mode. And that's when you grow. And that's when you learn. It's also the key to humility, realizing that you can show that kind of vulnerability and you won't get killed. You know, it's a, it's a fear-based thing. When you say that I need to make sure that people think that I've got the, I've got the biggest shield and the, the sharpest sword, uh, it's if I demonstrate to people that, oh, well, uh, I have a pretty good shield here, but it can't handle any bullet larger than a twenty two caliber. You feel as though you're giving people, you're saying people, please shoot me with this with a twenty with a 40, 45 caliber bullet because that will kill me right away. That's where I'm vulnerable, um, and that is also ego. It's okay to show that kind of vulnerability. It's okay to say I want to learn something. I'm not here to tell you something. I'm here to listen to you tell me something. Uh, and again, it is painful. I've been in that situation so many times where it's like, I can't believe I'm actually going to ask this person this dumb question, but I have to because I don't know. Uh, and it, boy, does, it, does this avoid you being bitten in the butt in the future? 
when this thing that you think you knew is actually something you don't know, uh, or when you think you got away with something, but actually what you got away with was not learning the thing that you really needed to know in the next three months, uh, or finding out that yeah, everybody knows that you were full of crap, but they're too polite to say anything, or they're they're too busy sort of like acing you out of the loop, realizing that you're a useless person uh, to do anything. That's that's why you value people who are lay their cards on the table. That's 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 teamwork. I mean, another specific lesson that kind of ties into that is that don't get defensive. This is something that I have been working really hard to correct over the past 10 years. Um, not coincidentally, uh, as <laughs> during the years in which Twitter has become very uh, a very, very big part uh, of my of my workday, it's so tempting when someone says, oh, you, you're such an idiot. Oh, my God, you don't know anything. Or even simply saying... Uh, through the through uh, ASCII text, uh, even without emoticon, so you don't really know the tone of it. Saying you know that uh, that you, know, you, you said in, in the you said in the last show you wrote in your last column that uh, uh, the kernel of macOS is based on this was actually it's based on that instead. And it's so easy to get defensive. My my first instinct used to be, and maybe buried down still is. I need to save face here. I need to defend why I made that. Either say, no, you're wrong, I'm right, or explain why I got it wrong. They, the thing is, people the, – the issue that's being discussed when someone uh, lofts something like that at you, the issue being discussed is not you. All they were saying is that here is the kernel of Mac OS. Here is what it's, it's based upon, and it is not the thing that you said it was. It's not, oh, my God, you're not competent and you should not have the job that you have. Whatever money you're being paid, you should give it all back right now. It's what is the kernel of macOS. Uh, that's the issue. And by getting defensive, even if you are right, you're getting distracted from the issue. If I'm, if I'm being motivated by I need to show this person who the hell does he think he is, and I really did my work here. The, 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 one of the things that really gets my, gets my, uh, gets my gander up is – uh, say maybe you should try doing some research next time and say, yeah, you know, that column is something I was working on off and on for about three or four months. Like I delayed it twice because I needed to double check some things and beef up some uh, secondary sources and the primary sources. And you've actually fallen by correcting me, quote unquote, on this thing. You fell into the same trap that I fell into two months ago when I kind of understood this topic, but sensed that maybe I could understand it more and found out there's something subtle that I had missed. It's not for me to say, you stupid idiot, I know more than you and I'm going to show you. The topic is this piece of factual information. What is the correct information, not who is right and who is wrong? When you get defensive, that is, again, selfishness. That is ego. It is how dare somebody attack me like this. I Am I not supposed to defend myself? Well, if you are being waylaid in a dark alley by people with broken bottles and two-by-fours, yes, definitely defend yourself. Uh, or if it's really as bad as that, maybe curl yourself into the field position and cover uh, cover your neck uh, so that they can hurt you but not kill you. I don't know. Uh, I think that's what you're supposed to do when you're being attacked by a bear. But I'm sure that the, that the methodology is sound. Uh, but no, you're not being attacked. This is a discussion. Uh, and also, this is another thing that Twitter kind of helped me to learn and helped me to improve myself with. Sometimes when they're expressing an opinion, their desire wasn't to 
hurt you. They weren't trying to take you down a peg. They weren't trying to, to kill your reputation and make your life hard and make you feel bad about yourself. They had an opinion and they wished to express it to you. And you need to accept that. And so, now there, there, and there are times where maybe I haven't, you know, I need to have a cookie or something, and I'm, or I'm a little bit slow on sleep, uh, and someone says something that is kind of harsh, and I want to really mix it up with them. And like, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? And but then I stop and I recognize that okay, he wanted to say this thing. He has said that thing. He is probably satisfied with having said this thing and having, you know. <laughs> hashtagged and at signed me to so that this would appear in that little column in my Twitter client client that says uh, this is people what people have uh, want you to, talking to you and about you and wanted to want you to see okay it's done uh, so what what I have to gain by mixing up with them except for having an argument with a total stranger do I want to have arguments with total strangers no what is your mission as a journalist Andy or as a communicator as an educator is it in making sure that no one ever talks crap about you? No, it isn't. It is about the facts. It's about the understanding. It's about the communication. And I can simply do my job by letting other people speak and let it drop right there. One step of badness is to mix it up like that. Waste my time by losing sight of my mission to get on this little side journey of defending what I imagine is an attack upon me. The even deeper and graver problem is when you allow this little incident that the commentator forgot about 10 seconds after they clicked the, the send or the post button to fortify an image of yourself as a person under assault at all times, as a victim, as somebody that everybody is trying to take down. So you have to make sure you're proactive. You have to be just as tough and just as mean as every, and all this big sticky rice ball of enemies that are out uh, aligned against you in this world. When again, it's not true. There isn't a world full of people that are out to get you. There are people who have different interests, people who have different goals than you. There are people who are, uh, who, uh, uh, find your worldview and your goals incompatible with theirs. Uh, there are people who want the want the last uh, uh, lime filled croissant donut and Dunkin' Donuts, and you're ahead of them in line. It's not about attacking you; they want the donut. <laughs> That's all they want. It's never about you, and it'll piss you off. And maybe you should, if he tries to elbow his way in front of you in the line, maybe you should elbow him back if you feel as though you know, the sanctity of the line is a, is a symbol of our our societal structure. I don't know; it's up to you. Uh, but again, this wasn't. This isn't a case of I want to really take Andy and not go down a peg by denying him that lime-filled uh, croissant donut at Dunkin' Donuts. No, he just wants the donut. It's not about you. We get back to ego. The world is not about you. The world does not revolve about you. You're not playing a video game in which you are the only rational, intellectual human being in the entire scenario and everybody else is a non-playing character. You can't just simply decide you want that car and take that car. This has been underscored through trial precedent decade after decade after decade. The police will take will not be on your side if you do that sort of thing. And it becomes a much more interesting and compelling life when you recognize that everybody else has their own perspective. Everybody else has their own worries and they're walking forward trying to maintain that same balance that you are, the balance between what you need and not wanting to ruin everything for everything else. 
but it's not all about you. You are uh, a unique cog in this beautiful, glorious machine, but it's a large, you are not the machine. Okay. The next lesson was simple. The idea of mental toughness. Um, we're going to be actually lear learning about this a lot more next week's show. Um, uh, the makers of a documentary about a marathon, a super ultra marathon that is all about mental toughness, focusing on a goal and finding whatever mental barriers you have and whatever voice that says I should quit or I should not do the hard thing right now and saying, no, 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 I can do it. I can push through. I can, my, my, my legs are, my legs are not broken. <laughs> I have enough water. I have enough protein in me. I can probably go. If not, uh, I, I don't feel as though I can go another 12 miles to finish this race. I don't feel as though I can go another 10 yards towards the finish line, but I feel as though if I work, maybe I can get another two feet. And then having moved two feet forward, thinking maybe I can get another two feet forward and repeating that until, oh, my God, you've made it to the finish line. That's mental toughness. And, boy, have we not seen uh, in two candidates the mental toughness of Hillary Clinton, who, again, I'm, please don't pigeon me as, oh, my, you, you think that she's perfect and she's a goddess and she's blah, blah, blah. You've fallen for all of her lies. Like, no, I think that she is a... Uh, very, very qualified for the Oval Office. I think that she's had a long, long career in politics. Uh, and over the course of uh, all those decades in politics, she has done what a, what a great many politicians have done, which is to make a whole bunch of compromises and uh, cut a few corners that not in the, not the course of uh, breaking the law, but hey, if I, if I can avoid some trouble by not talking about this thing that I know that people are just going to uh, uh, ridiculously jump on me for, uh, then maybe I don't have to talk about this thing, this thing that I've, that everybody else has been doing for decades, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, yeah, see, if I were editing, I would probably go back and, and, and fix that a little bit uh, because uh, what I'm talking about is there's a difference between uh, illegally wiretapping political enemies and uh, setting uh, the, your, your attorney general against that person uh, to try to make sure to uh, disrupt their careers and their, their reputations and simply saying that, you know what, I uh, I said, uh, I told the spouse that I would be coming straight home tonight. However, I did pass by a Barnes & Noble uh, that was still open late, and I really wanted to go and get a coffee because I was just having a really bad day and I wanted to decompress. And you spent a half hour having a coffee at the Barnes & Noble on the way home. You were a half hour late. They were, no one asked you why you were late, and you decided, you know, I'm not going to offer the fact that I said I'd be right home, but actually I spent 30 minutes to myself, even though you were taking care of the kid tonight, uh, because that's not going to, that's that's not going to help anything. And nobody's going to, that's going to be a much bigger thing than it actually was, and I don't want to deal with that right now. That's not a great, that's not a, that's not an admirable line of thought, but that's a different thing from, hey, I'm breaking all kinds of, I'm I'm late because. Uh, they had a eight for pay for eight hookers, get 12 hookers special. My goodness. I don't know. Well, I'm, you, that's how much I know about hookers. I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, how, how many run through the course of 30 minutes. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're outside detailing your car. Why a couple of the others are pressing your pant. I have no idea. Uh, but that, that, that's what I'm talking about. But the mental toughness of someone in 30 years of business have been uh, in politics has been really, really, it, in her case, it really was about her, and maybe for maybe for reasons that are perfectly rational. But she's been defending herself. She has been in front of testifying in front of committees for decades. She's had all kinds of BS uh, accusations that, against her that she had to defend herself from. 
uh, that uh, she people just who are sure that she's guilty of something and they're going to keep accusing her and putting her in front of uh, uh, in front of uh, uh, committees until we find out that whatever that thing is that she did that was illegal uh, and she has not lost her focus you know it's not she didn't become angry she didn't become upset she didn't say well the world is full of horrible people and i have to be just as horrible in return she really became focused on i really want to be president i want to continue the, my career in public service i have a, a a vision of things that i can accomplish for the country and what the country can accomplish if i were uh, if i were the chief executive and i'm not going to let having to spend an afternoon defending myself uh, on decisions that were completely ethical correct and defensible I'm not going to let that distract me from that goal. Uh, so that's why I'm talking about mental toughness. Um, it's inspirational. It's the ability to say the, the number of times where like I'm I'm, I'm shoveling. It's the, the, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to equate this with like my approach to snow shoveling, where it's like, oh god, it snowed. It snowed last night. You know what? It was only five inches, six inches. I bet that if I don't, if I wait until one or two, most of it will melt off. And then uh, the mental toughness is, okay, it's 9 a.m. It's only going to take me about a half hour to an hour to shovel it. I'm just going to shovel it. Even though I don't want to, even though I hate doing it, mental toughness will get you through that job because it has to be done. And that's the reason why you don't have to like it. You have to do it. You have the goal of not having a sheet of ice on your driveway, of being able to get your car out and not having to walk through snow everywhere for a few days until it all melts down. If you want that, you have to shovel shovel the snow. So do it. It doesn't do things that you don't want to do. Do things you don't think you can do. Test your if you if it's something that you think you can't do. Even prove it. You're not going to know it until you try and you fail. And you can't be afraid of failing. That's part of mental toughness. You have to say that it's okay for me to find my limits in an experimental way, in a very very real and embarrassing experimental way. That I thought I could do a half marathon. I found out that I could do the first 3.1 miles of a half marathon, which is whatever fraction of, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to be distracted by trying to do the math of that right now, but that's a fraction much much less impressive than half. But at least you'll find out that that's where my limits work. And I thought that I was I wanted to give up after a mile and a half, but I found a way to do another mile and a half. And then you will have the mark to beat for the next time, where maybe you'll be a little bit more humble when you try to do that half, mar- half marathon without any training. Maybe it will teach you that maybe I should do- be doing more training. And maybe the next time you'll make it to seven miles before you are carried off unceremoniously, wrapped up in a tarp, like a like a little crying burrito. <laughs> back, back to the medical tent. Uh, but that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Uh, I, I wish to cultivate more of that. Uh, in my life, because there are certainly times where I'm saying to myself, uh, I don't want to do this. Maybe this is not necessary for me to do. And I really have to slap myself and say that, no, 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 you don't, you, you have to do this. It's a, don't do, there, there are rational reasons for not doing something, but I don't want to do it is not one of them. You have to decide that whatever larger goals you have are worth whatever blockade that you think is between yourself and that goal. Uh, and the last thing uh, from what I've learned from I had learned from Donald Trump is that you can't live your life speaking only to the people who love you. I could create a podcast, I think, <laughs> where I, I don't know, maybe maybe there'd be fifty people, maybe there'd be a hundred people listening to it. 
Uh, I could write columns. I could do podcasts. I could do all kinds of things where I felt as though I'm gathering around me the people who absolutely adore me and are and want the very best for me. And if I tell them this, if I tell them a story about how you know that I went to an audition for uh, for the pajama game and I got the lead role, and well, of course they're going to let me do a special performance. And, oh my God, we're we're all so happy for Andy. Oh, isn't that great for we so? Oh, doesn't he deserve all of this? That's very unsatisfying. That is the you can't your your reward for life is being a better person. Your reward for challenging yourself is being able to do things that were either actually impossible for you to do five years ago, or that you act or you really thought were impossible for you to do five years ago. The reward for challenging yourself and facing hostility uh, presented by nature, presented by circumstance, presented by other human beings who are actually hostile at you is that when the ball game's all over and if you have either the blessing or the curse of knowing that your death is going to be two or three hours away, you're in a hospital bed and you know that, okay, this is it. Being able to look back and say that, you know what? I qualified. I, I, I participated. Uh, what I got, I earned. I felt as I feel as though I didn't necessarily try to do things the easy way i went the way that was more most interesting i went the way that would cause me to grow cause me to be the person that uh i admire the most you know that's a different thing from ego that's uh, that's aspirational that's seeing that there's a version of myself that i'm not right now i am defective in several areas i wish to be better in several areas how do i get to be that person that i most admire and once again, you don't do that by sitting uh, by speaking to a thousand people who came here because they love you. You get there by speaking to people that are absolutely upset with you. You know, there you get there by going to a, a town hall meeting uh, as a city assembly as a as a, a city assembly person, and knowing that you are the person who are trying to raise taxes to pay for a new water system that you're certain that everybody that we absolutely need knowing that you're in a community of people that have lost their jobs people who are retired and are on fixed incomes and they absolutely cannot afford this mod what seem what you think is a modest property uh, property tax increase and you have to be there to people that went there not to present their side of the argument but because they're really super mad and they're tired of – and here's this opportunity you've given them to not not shout uh, at a two-minute news story on a TV, but to shout an actual person and say, you are such an idiot. You are such a jerk. You're everything that's wrong with this. Stand there. Have that mental toughness to sit and listen and to let them blow themselves out to the extent that they have to stop and catch a breath and then ask them what specifically is 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 not compelling about the case that i'm making to you is there any way that i can convince you that we need a new water system you will learn something when you listen you will learn something when you stop treating somebody as an enemy and you start treating them as a human being who sees the world from a different vantage point you know you are not everywhere in all places again you are not god you are not the center of the universe there are other people looking at this from other angles they can help you by telling you what they are seeing from the other side of that tree, you know, that you can't see past. That's the sort of thing you miss out on when you go to only places where you know you'll be welcomed, where you know you'll be loved, where you know that you can say whatever you want to say and they'll lap it up because they're, because you're you and they love you. Um, this is one of the things that I find, that's getting back to Twitter. <laughs> Every time that I have to say something truthful, 
that I know a lot of people are going to just hate. I'm reminded of this, and of course, long before uh, this thing about Trump uh, occurred to me, that again, you can't. It's, uh, actually, Jay Leno um, uh, tells this story about. Uh, I think it was he also told it in uh, uh, Comedians in Cars, uh, getting coffee with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, talking about how at the comedy store as a uh, coming up and coming comedian, he always he was the one comedian that wanted to go on right after Richard Pryor. Because and he would die every single night. And the way he put it is that, well, you know, I, I, I the, the people I, I, that I, uh, that the audiences I talk that I do my act for normally, I got those people already. I, I know how to make those people laugh. I don't got Richard Pryor's fans. And even though if I, uh, and he said that I thought that I had forty minutes of material, it turned out I only had twenty minutes of material. And it, part of it was speaking to this group that. It doesn't know who he, who's there. Didn't want to. Didn't come here to, to to listen to Jay Leno. It really had to be about the jokes, and that's how you know that you're funny. I want my ideas to be important. I want my ideas to come across. I'm not going to do that unless I'm talking to people who think I'm an idiot. Once I get people who think that I'm an idiot and I hate, hate Apple, saying that I never thought of that about that way. That's a good point. Good. I know that I've challenged myself. I know I've done so. I've actually uh, accomplished something. <sighs> 42 minutes of blather right now. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to edit this because this, this show absolutely needs to ship. Um, so I guess we have to move forward. Uh, the New York Times site, as of 3.12 a.m., still has 218 electoral votes for Clinton, 279 for Trump. So yes, it seems as though unless the site has been hacked. <laughs> I'm going to click refresh. Yep. In even bigger letters than before, Trump triumphs, shocking upset as outsider harnesses voters' voters' dissatisfaction. Oh, dear. Okay. I'll, I'll, I started off this, the, this screed by talking about how uh, that chill just hit the back, back of my neck when I saw that uh, on, the, on the website that it looked like it was an excellent chance that he could win. Um, I, there's a moment of despair. I don't mean there that I was, you know, rending my garment and wailing at the heavens and looking for that one sharp knife I've got. Uh, but it was like, oh my God, what's going to become of the country? Like, how will this affect me? Like, will I have a job in a year? You know, what does this mean? Um, but then I got myself a Dr. Pepper. And uh, it was a reminder that despair, you can't, you can't get on that bus. Despair is sinful because it is selfish. It is a form of entertaining yourself with your own sense of hopelessness. And that's not what we're supposed to do in the face of hopelessness. When we are in darkness, you're meant to keep climbing and walking until you see light not to keep staring into that blackness and say, my goodness, it seems to have gotten even blacker. Yep, it seems like this is there's no place for light whatsoever. That's, that's, a, that's, that's fetish. That's self-harm. Why do that? That's not productive. That's not who you need to be right now. It's not what you need to be doing right now. And like I said, it's, it's selfish and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I think about uh, – I'm concerned, yes, but – I think about people who live in countries where there is not an orderly transfer of power. 
you know, where if there were an election result like this, uh, the sitting president, you know, you'd be you'd be thinking that, OK, so tanks are going to be mobilized and there's going to be an allegation of widespread voter uh, voter fraud. And because the military uh, is uh, political allies with the president, uh, they're going to essentially round up certain people. Uh, declare quote unquote find reasons for find evidence that uh, there was widespread fraud and uh, as a result they're immediately arresting uh, Trump and members of the Trump campaign because obviously they tampered with the results and well we must suspend the election because I know it's chaos right now but we have to maintain order even though this horrible horrible enemy of the state that's what happens in other countries you know um, there are countries where their leaders aren't encumbered by limits to their powers. And the president has a lot of limits to their powers. Unfortunately, one of the few things that's unlimited is the ability to launch nuclear weapons without telling anybody why. But in general, you know, they, ha- they have all kinds of, uh, of, of powers arrayed against them to prevent them from doing exactly what they want for and not having to justify it to anybody. Um, I mean, there are places where people can be and are disappeared as a verb. You know, where people just go away and everybody knows why that person disappeared, but they will never say that out loud because that was how that person became an ex-person. We talk about uh, the shackles that uh, some parts of our society are in. We're we're always talking about uh, metaphorical shackles, and there are people in countries where if they are ideologically misfits, they are literally in shackles. That is not happening here. Ever. So let's not be ridiculous about this. Your uh, your city council person is still your city council person. Your mayor is still your mayor. Your governor is still your governor. Your dog still needs to be walked. And Trump being elected is not going to get your dog walked. So walk your dog. Cut your grass. Rake the leaves. Feed your kids. Teach your kids. Be a good parent to your kids. You are the absolute, in absolute control of that. And thinking that the world has completely changed and turned upside down because Donald Trump apparently has been elected president, that's wasteful. That's sinful. That's untrue. It's, you, can't, you can't nail yourself to your own cross. Okay, at some point, you know, there's the, 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 your hammer hand has to be nailed in as well. Then what are you going to do? What a bad joke. But you know what I'm talking about. It's people who want to show how badly they're feeling about this. Okay, and they want to put their agony on display for the entire world. Well, so what? Other people are feeling bad things too. Um, if you're upset that Donald Trump has been elected, are you more upset uh, than you would be if your spouse has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer? Okay? Is your is your life been upset as much as somebody who I, I name your name your own problem okay you're still whatever your state of health was it's still there okay your kids are still your kids the people who love you still love you that's the state of your world right now and that's what you need to embrace if there's a positive thing to be gained it's that sometimes we forget about what our personal values are and the things that we're willing to fight for. And I'm not talking about forming a militia 
I know, I know that I'm, I'm reading a lot of these sentences. Where I'm not talking about this, but I mean, I'm, I'm not being ridiculous and saying, oh, we should take up arms. We should refuse to acknowledge this new Trump president. I mean that there, you recognize what it is you value most about your country, you know, or even what you value most as a human being. Um, if not for Trump and some of his supporters, the idea of being offended by hostility against immigration would not have been fanned into absolutely revulsion. That I need to show my support, I need to work to do whatever a white man, technically Catholic, hasn't been to church since he had to take his mom to church when she was sick, uh, guy. Whatever I can do to help make the lives of non-Christians easier, I should do that. Whatever I can do to make the lives of immigrants easier, I should try to do that, you know? Um, because there is a new awareness that hostility against people who are visibly, quote, not like one of us, unquote, is a real thing. And never, it's not that I ever thought that it was, uh, it was a fantasy, but it's an abstract thing, okay? You don't really hear those words being spoken aloud, um... There wasn't such an immediate need for people to tell those stories far and wide of every time someone being kicked off a flight because they were speaking on a cell phone in Arabic to an uncle of theirs about how how wonderful the trip is going. And, and, and they ended with a greeting that somebody at some point thinks is a, you know, call to jihad or whatever because they're, they're dopes and they get thrown off the plane you know, it's uh, – we have to know what it is that we are willing to fight for. We have to know where that line of the sand is. And instead of saying, ain't that too bad, well, you know, it's that, that's that's our parents' generation speaking. That's not our generation. No, it's, it's the country. Are you willing to work to fix that or are you willing to just hope that it becomes better? Voting is uh, an important thing, but it takes you hopefully 10 or 15 minutes Um this has to be an ongoing daily process. Um, it is something that I admit that in years past I was sort of backing away from because I just didn't want that kind of heat. I'm embarrassed about that. And not that I thought that I'm going to, I'm going to be attacked if I say positive things about uh, about uh, the, 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 the bull crap that uh, women are put through, the, the bull crap that non-Christians are put through. But it's like, oh, God, do I really want to stick my head above the foxhole? You know, are my words going to change anything? No, but am I, it's going to ruin my day if all these people are, you know, suddenly flood my, my, my inbox with mean messages. This might ruin my day. Now it's, it's the realization that, yeah, you have to fight for what you, what you believe in. And, um, also there is a reason why, um, people voted for Donald Trump and it's not because they, I'm sure that they weren't voting for, uh, the, I'm, I'm sure the majority of them weren't voting for uh, weren't voting against Hillary Clinton. I'm sure the majority of them weren't necessarily weren't weren't voting because they they, they hate they think that all Muslims are terrorists and they think that we should build a wall between us and uh, another wall between us and uh, the United States and Mexico. It's because there is a deep seated dissatisfaction with 
what they perceive to be the direction the country is coming in, which points to a failure of the other side to at least understand the world from the other side of that divide, so to speak. It's a hard fight. It might be an unsolvable problem. Well, there's no, there's no such thing as an unsolvable problem. It can, it can seem to be an unsolvable problem given the political situation where if side A is saying uh, is, is, a, is saying the sky is blue, it's important for the other side to not just convince people the sky is green, but to make sure people understand that there's a reason why the other side is lying to you about the color of the sky and to instill that sense of trust, the sense of distrust. It's a long, long, long fight to go through. But what message was not getting through? What difficulty um, were the Democrats having and saying, well, here are the statistics, here are the numbers. Uh, they weren't, they were giving people numbers, but not adjusting the feelings about it. It seems, do they underestimate the level of passion? I don't know. But it's going to be important to not think of this as my side, uh, as it's not. It's important not to think of this as one side being proven right and another side being proven wrong. You know, it's uh, it's that the fact that Trump is going to be elected doesn't mean that it's because oh, because it's a racist country. I'm not one of those people. I'm no. I'm an American. I'm part of the. I'm part of this situation. You know, uh, it's not because oh, finally the Democrats, the liberals have been put in their place and being shown they're not real Americans and blah blah. No, no, no. The reason why Trump got it elected is because he simply got more electoral votes than the other side did. It is not a referendum on a way of life because um, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. They were not trying to get a philosophy of life, a direction for the country elected. They're trying to get themselves elected. And if you tended to attach your personal hopes and dreams and vision of the country toward that election, they were more than happy to take advantage of that. They're more than happy to exploit that. But they weren't there to help you personally realize your vision for the future of America. The fact is that we're all Americans. I keep coming back time and time again. If there is one thing that will always guide me towards the right way of thinking, the right conclusion, the right answer, if there's one idea that will always lead me towards the realization that will, in a moment where I feel hopeless and really down in the dumps, see hope and see light it's that i mustn't deny the humanity of other people i mustn't regard them as robots as non-playing characters i mustn't regard them as something other than me almost everything that horrible that happens on a national and a global scale and most of the things that happen poorly on a poor, on a personal scale where interactions with other people are concerned is when you forget that you forget that these are people that do things for reasons that make perfect sense to them. And sometimes they're wrong. They're those reasons are wrong. Sometimes they're right. And you haven't seen it from their perspective anymore, but nothing good happens when you think of them as them, you know, as the unholy them, as the ungodly them, as the un-American them, we have to come together. We have to love each other. That is the only thing that we are commanded and compelled to do is to love each other. 
through every articulation, maybe except for carnal, uh, of the word love. So we're going to be thinking a lot over the course of the next week, I'm sure. I think that this might be the last time I do a deep dive into uh, <laughs> my thoughts about uh, a President Trump. I honestly think that for the next couple of days, I'm just going to turn off the news. I just don't want to talk about it. I just want to think about it. I just want to get used to it. But I will say to everybody who is overjoyed at this result and everybody who is upset at this result, okay, we need your diligence right now. We need your eloquence right now. We need your passion because passion is is gasoline for the engine. But more than passion, we need your focus. We don't need you to get distracted from the purpose of making sure that the United States of America is a place that people will continue to want to immigrate to. Think about that. Not just that it's going to be a great place for your kids to be born in, for your grandkids to be raised, but uh, continue to be that place of refuge for the entire world, that aspiration that I'm going to – someday I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to be so successful that my kids will be educated in America. And every time that there are people suffering, every time there are people who are in one of those horrible countries where people are disappeared – and if they have the choice of any place in the world where they think that they're going to be safe, that a world – they want to find themselves in the opposite of chaos, in a world of stability, of predictability, of some baseline level of respect that everybody's accorded, if they, they're not going to throw a, a, a dart at the map, we as Americans have always figured that America is going – the United States is going to be number one on the list or maybe in the top three. Maybe you want to choose a place with better health care, but – at least in the top three. That doesn't happen even if you're just uh, you're just willing to come out and vote. Your diligence, your eloquence, your passion, and your focus. I'll end with a, a phrase that uh, has been running through my mind since uh, Gene Wilder's death. It's a line from, of course, the uh, uh, his famous song in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I've always believed that if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. And he sings that line when he's in the big chocolate room where there's a, all these fantastic candy plants around. But I've always, even as a kid, I took that to mean that, well, you want to be in paradise while well, you're here. Congratulations. Look around. It's there. If you're not, if you don't think that you're living in a paradise, and I'm not here talking about America, I'm talking about life, then there's something wrong with your sense of vision. There's something wrong with your appreciation for what you have and where you are and all of creation. You are in paradise right now. In this version of paradise, Donald Trump is going to be sworn in as the president of the United States, but you're still in paradise. Look around and find it and make paradise even better for yourself and for other people. Well, I've, I've, I have sold, oversold my promise on a rambling and unedited thing, but it is at least truthful. And if for the remainder of uh, the run of this podcast, I can at least be honest and truthful, uh, I'm sure it's going to come with the cost of uh, occasional embarrassment. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I hope you will forgive me. And now I'm going to do the thing that, uh, also completely honest, is that I'm going to do the thing that I was going to do that I thought was going to take me just a few minutes tonight before I post this and, and we go uh, listen to my click clacky keyboard for a sec uh in which i just add the you know the f intro to the big interview with jason snell and then record just the outro uh so rather than just do this as a complicated thing with uh 
GarageBand, I'm just going to uh, read what I had written as stuff that I want to uh, talk about. Uh, my thanks to Jason Snell <laughs> for for having recorded an interview that we'll get to, we'll 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 hear next week for sure. Next week will be a more uh, ordinary <laughs> podcast, I hope. Uh, by all means, please uh, email your thoughts or suggestions about this new podcast uh, to me at Almanac Podcast A L M A N A C Podcast at gmail.com if you can spell my last name tryanotgo.com in case that went by way too fast uh and uh we will have a we have a show website at relay.fm uh, that's at relay.fm slash almanac uh next time we will be talking to jason snell about the writing process i think both of us are going to be talking about the writing process and the drinking process but we actually already recorded that so I promise you that what I'm about to say to end this show is not uh, going to be the signature sign-off, but I I feel the need to tell you right now, thank you for listening. When uh, I get to talk and I know that someone is there to hear you, it helps you to understand yourself all that much better. So find another human being. They will tend to help you out because what comes most naturally to humans is our interactions with other humans. You know, we are not the alpha species on this planet because of the perfection of any one of us. I have seen myself naked in a mirror. This is not the apex of perfection. The apex of perfection of humanity is the fact that we network together, that we uh, come together and we solve problems as a group that we can't solve as individuals. We uh, have put people on the moon we are on track to put people on Mars, and it wasn't because one person decided to jump real high climb, and maybe even climb a tree and then jump real high off that tree. It takes thousands of people all focused on something that's aspirational, something that seems impossible until you find yourself standing in front of a rocket that the math has proven to your, has demonstrated that is safe to get into and that will make it to Mars and back. Seek out other people if you're upset right now, and don't just cry on each other's shoulders. Talk and listen. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you for listening. This has been Almanac Show 0001, ending on a weird note. (laughs) Till next time, have a great week.